Hey, listeners of the Batman Tastic Cast, it's Mike. To kick off this episode, we actually have a little bit of a special treat for you all, uh, thanks to a couple of our listeners who reached out to us with some awesome information of some sound found footage out there. So, um, you know what? I'm really not going to talk about it too much, so here we go. It's bonus segment time. Oh my god, a bonus segment. It's the first time we've done it. We've never done a bonus segment before, and now they're going to be all over the place. Uh, now people are going to want them constantly because... They're going to expect the bonus segment. Yes, yes. We create a monster. Yeah, we absolutely have, and we should be punished for this, but... Jordan and I um, doing this podcast uh, for the last handful of months at this point in time. The show has been, uh, by this point, I believe we're on episode, I don't remember what episode Forgotten is. I forgot what episode it is in the run. An enormous success. We can't even keep track of all the money yes. we've made. Oh, so much money. I mean, Dollar Shave Club and uh, what's that, Blue Apron and <laughs> the Snack Box. All those, all those people are just writing to us oh, every yeah. single week. Um, raking in that, yeah, raking in shipping that. the mattress to your house. Yeah, cash. yeah, yeah, Casper. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> you know, all you folks out there who want want to give us sun money. basket. Yeah, sun basket. That one too. <laughs> all of them. All the ads are coming We'd in. I'd like to thank Squarespace. Yeah, uh, um, uh, stamps.com. Right, that's it. Um, you know, all those yeah. people. Hey, reach out to us, okay? <laughs> we will take your money. All right, go ahead. Mike. I'm, I'm not sorry. afraid to sell out. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> So we were contacted by uh, two of our listeners. Yes. Um, almost at the same exact time. So first of all, we want to thank Dina Massery and Pat Marin for reaching yes. out to us so, individually. Yeah, Dina had reached out to me and Pat reached out to you, both and, of us. you and both of us. Both yes. of us, yeah. So pretty much at the same time, um, earlier this week or last week, a something was sent out into the ether of the internet. And we talked about this early on in the Batman Tastic cast when we were talking about the early episodes, especially when it comes to the Joker, that the original casting for the Joker was actually Tim Curry. Yeah. And um, as Tim Curry fans um, from who knows, I love that meme where it's like, you know, I know a lot about you based on where you know Tim Curry from. So for me, it's Clue. For you, it's Clue. For me, I think it's Home Alone 2. Sure. Um, which makes me terrible, I guess. I don't know. But for both of us, it's Rocky Horror. Oh, yeah, of course. Eventually, yeah. But also it's Mr. Himolka. <laughs> Stop eating my sesame cake. <laughs> Please watch Congo. We will have a podcast just devoted to Congo. Can we do that one day, like on, on the, the Patreon? Patreon. Yeah, yeah Patreon. there we go. It's a Patreon exclusive. Yeah, it's a Patreon exclusive. Batman Tastic has exclusive Congo. <laughs> Does Congo. What? The movie. Listen. Yeah. Um, We should do like an all... Oh, yeah, no, never mind. So anyway, both... Amy, good gorilla. Please. Um, so thank you to Dina and Pat for sending us um, for sending us this article. Someone has unearthed some of the footage of Tim Curry as the Joker, and when you hear as you know someone thirty years after watching Batman, and we all know that Mark Hamill was the Joker, and uh, he did an amazing job, and it's a legendary performance, and this, that, and the other thing. When you hear the name Tim Curry thrown around with the Joker, what do you think of? Oh, Pennywise, right? So you think, oh, this has got to be fantastic, and Tim Curry, apparently, from what I've read and what we've researched, uh, exited Batman the Animated Series because the it hurt his voice. Right. Yeah, this has been very muddy. Yes. Actually, if you go back and listen to like our pilot for this podcast, or even like the first couple episodes, we try to reference this. It's kind of hard to find any information about this, yeah. which is why it's so amazing this article came out. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, Tim Curry was hired at one point. It was like him versus John Glover versus Mark Hamill for this role. Tim Curry kind of got it, maybe. Allegedly, he had done some recordings of it, and there were some leftovers, but no one has ever gotten to hear them until now. Until now, we've heard them, and of course, what episode are they from? The Last Laugh. Well, the Last Laugh. So what's upsetting about it is we don't get to hear Tim Curry say, you've killed Captain Clown. No. 
But Which we can is, imagine it. We can imagine it based on what we've heard. So the clips are very short. I think they're just about a minute long and it's yeah. a it's a handful of cl- All right, internet. If you can get the clip of Tim Curry saying, You killed Captain Clown, I have no money to give you, but um I will thank you immensely because that's uh, the wait, clip wait. we need. I will give them a thousand dollars in Joker bucks. Oh, great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, you know, when the stock market crashes, Joker's at its heights. That's right. By Joker. Joker bucks always remain solvent exactly. after a stock market of crash. Of course. Even more than NFTs. So um so we have the clips. And we can't play them on the show because we don't own the property. We don't own all that stuff. But uh, I highly suggest it. We will put the link to the video in the um, in the comments. Uh, I'm in the um, in the description of this episode. So the show wanna, notes, yeah, yeah the okay. show notes. If you yeah. want to find those, uh, just go into the show notes and and, and find a link uh, to Tim Curry as the Joker. Um, so I was super excited. Um, you know, we got this stuff sent to us. I opened up the article. I opened up the the YouTube thing, and there we have it: is Tim Curry as the Joker. And um, I was immediately. It was tough to listen to. I love Tim Curry. Well, I love the Joker. It's, it's sadly, and we love Tim Curry. It's not very good. It's not. He's kind of doing like a, a Brooklyn thug, a, like a hey Batman. You know, it's kind but of like kind of like a Brooklynese to there's it. There's a Brooklynese there? to it where Mark Hamill. It's weird because he Mark Hamill doesn't say things as Joker that differently, right? Like the like the cadence is similar. It's just sure. it's like Tim Curry's <laughs> sitting there trying to figure out which accent he's doing, and he's right. flip flopping between stuff. Where Mark Hamill's performance is much more together. Well, and funny enough, Mark Hamill's Joker is more British than yeah. Tim Curry's Joker because yeah. Mark Hamill does something like this, yes. which is almost British in and of itself. Yes, yes. And Tim Curry doesn't do that, no. even though that sounds like maybe Tim Curry could do that. Batman, I can smell you from here. Oh, you know, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a weird it's, voice. it's very weird, but it's awesome to see and hear. Well, it's so cool that we finally have the artifact. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you know what? While listening to it, I could tell how that could have hurt Tim Curry's voice. Um, kind of bouncing back and forth where Mark Hamill, you know, like because he's doing more of a British thing, he might be able to play with like the airiness of it all yeah. um, and 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 kind of the, the inflection of it all to make it hurt less, you sure. know. I also think that they might have just been saying like, oh, it hurt Tim's voice to be polite. Yeah, I think maybe. they heard the voice and they were like, it's not a good fit. Yeah, no, no. And when you watch the animation of the Joker, now this is Tim Curry. I'm not sure if this is Tim Curry's vocal tracks matched up to the animation that was done with Mark Hamill. Like if they re- they animated to fit how Mark Hamill pronounced things and how he acted them. But it almost feels like it doesn't sync up properly uh, when you watch it. And it almost feels like the Joker is more equipped Um. Or Mark Hamill is more equipped to fit the animation that the Joker is. Maybe Mark Hamill paid more attention to the actual animation, or maybe this is the anime. Maybe they ripped and ripped it and, and right. well, patched see, it up. Even those details are a little fuzzy. We're not yeah. really sure. Okay, well, hey, at what point in the process was Tim cut? At what point did they bring Mark in? I do remember listening to an episode with Mark Hamill where he said he was recording things like Last Laugh and Christmas with the Joker in those early Joker episodes, and everybody else had already finished the episode. Yeah. And he was the only one in the recording studio, so is he trying to match the lip flaps on the already drawn animation? Yeah. Or is he just alone in a dark room doing this? We don't know. I you know, I don't know that we have all that information. Based on what I've seen, it does seem like the 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 um the the former that Mark that Hamill, the animation is done. The animation was done, and Mark Hamill was matching because well, he, Mark Hamill he did a great is, job. He's perfect. Yeah. Um, like it's perfectly done. His his mouth perfectly matches the stuff. 
And, uh, you know, I don't want to turn this into, you know, uh, a thing where we where it seems like we're bashing no, Tim again, Curry. No, again, we love Tim Curry. We and just, we, we understand why Hamill got the job. Yes, absolutely, from watching these. But also, man, am I grateful to be able to see this. To we, We're in an age where this stuff can be accessible. It's such a important part of TV history, animation history, um, and just shows you the, the all-star A-list talent that this show is going with. Yeah. It is really cool, and it's something that we had always imagined. Yeah, and funny enough, imagined incorrectly because yeah. we all thought Pennywise, but it was something else. And yes, it's just it's cool to just know that. And also, to Tim Curry's credit, why would you want to do the same exact voice again? Totally right. Exactly right. So, um, I, I thought it was really cool. It's about a minute long, so folks, please check the uh, episode notes and um and give a link and send us your opinion on what you think. That's right. Uh, It sounds like um, we'll try to maybe post some of that stuff on social media. Yeah. And now back to what's this episode called again? Oh, um, this is the forgotten, the forgotten. Yeah. Welcome to the Batman Tasticast, celebrating the 30th anniversary of the greatest animated television series of all time, Batman, the animated series. Our podcast offers a deep dive into each episode and a full series retrospective from two nerds who really like Batman. And to introduce our hosts today, across the table from me, fresh out of the box, Mr. Jordan Hugh. And sitting across the table from me, I... Oh no... (laughs) I can't remember. I don't know who my co-host is. Hopefully I don't get put in the box. Oh, maybe by the end of the episode I'll remember who my co-host is. Yes, maybe. maybe. Wait a second. Is it? No, no. No, I can't not. remember. I, Sorry. All right. So we are talking about the eighth episode on the production side of Batman the Animated Series called The Forgotten. And once again, I have been blessed with a... horrifically bad episode of this show you know it's it's not as bad as underdwellers it's close to as bad it's close it's not much better than underdwellers this episode is actually like incredibly similar it is Underdwellers, like almost to the point where it's just like you just took the same concept and principles (laughs) that you were using in underdwellers and it applied it took the took the the subject away from it being about children and made it about homeless people. Yeah. That's pretty much what you did. But the children in Underdwellers were also kind of like homeless people as well. So um, we've had kind of, I've had like two back-to-back <laughs> episodes I'm so where, sorry. where I'm talking, where I have issues episodes. All right. I've been gifted. You've got issues. Issues episodes. And um, we're going to pay. Yeah, we're all going <laughs> to <laughs> Oh man, he's got issues and we're gonna pay, gonna pay, gonna pay, gonna pay. This is our, uh, every episode, of course, we have an offspring, uh, a yes. the offspring sing-along. Yes. Have to have a definite article, offspring. You have to. Yeah, they are the offspring the and offspring. these are the forgotten. Um, we have another episode that is... Uh, written by Jules Dennis and Richard Mueller. And what do we know them from? What did they... They did Underdwellers. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So oh. They just, they're just doing the same oh, shit. Yeah, okay. so they pretty much just took the same premise and applied it and kind of changed it around a little bit. This episode is very odd. 
It's an odd episode. It does not take place in Gotham. Right, yeah, that's another format breaker. Batman's barely in the episode. We're not in Gotham. I think we're in, like, the American Southwest or something. You know, I don't know. Look, look, look like maybe in New Mexico and Arizona, maybe? It seems well, like... where else in the country do we find, like, a red sand desert with, like, those arches and things like that? Yeah, you know? it has to be the American Southwest, but, right. like, it also messes up the geography because if Gotham is supposed to be an East Coast city yes. and... Bruce Wayne gets knocked out and wakes up in it in Arizona. Well, that is possible. I don't think so. Well, you can't listen. just get clubbed and knocked out and then wake up like two days later. You'd be you'd be compl- you, you your brain would be gone. I don't know that it breaks the geography continuity. I think that we're led to believe he really is unconscious that long. Wow. All right. Well, it's nice that he's able to string together sentences after that. Yeah. Listen. Obviously, biggest is biggest is the name of our villain. In biggest. This episode. Obviously, biggest is had a very good friend in Rome named Biggest Dickus. <laughs> right. Quite quite a quite a silly character, <laughs> but he is a human trafficker. Oh yeah. And those folks do have means of moving you very far very quickly. So yes. I I actually thought that was possible. Okay. Well. Even still, it's it's ridiculous how we have Gotham City, which is East Coast City, and then he's all of a sudden he's in. This yes, is what it is strange. This is what I like to be. This is this is an episode that is part of this trend that you get in these '90s cartoons of like we're going to jail, and there's an episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you get like. It's always like with like the loose loose acoustic electric guitar. <laughs> Jail apparently sounds like blues yeah. harmonica. <laughs> blues <laughs> guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. just like you know, bump, 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 bump. Yeah, it was a weird. I I didn't like the music in this episode. Actually, this almost matched Last Laugh for oh, worst music it's, so it's far. It's close, but I like it a little better <laughs> because at least it has some drive. Right. Um. Yeah, like for example, another good ep- another good um, example of prison episodes is when the X Men go to Genosha in the first season of the X Men animated series. That is also like another prison episode. They do a little, they do something a little different with Genosha than it is in the comic books. And then there's also a box that they throw people in. Mm-hmm. I don't you know. Need a box? Is that a thing? Is that a prison thing where they throw people in a metal box outside? Uh, unfortunately, yes, I think it is. Yeah, I don't know uh, enough about prison. I, I, of course, I don't. I don't think it was ever legal, uh, but that is something folks would do. And the yeah. last time I've seen that in popular media was that was a punishment in Quentin Tarantino's Django Unchained. Yes. Was yes. that uh, Calvin Candy would put or have some people put in the box, the yeah, hot box, the hot box? Yeah. Okay. So I guess that was a thing that did used to happen. Now, when did Shawshank Redemption come out? Early early nineties. I do, don't know. Do we have a year? I'm gonna guess ninety five. Okay, so that that would be after this episode of yeah, Batman sh- the Animated Series. Sure, but Shawshank had at least been written before. Yeah, that is true. Because I always felt like well, were these prison episodes of these shows at least somehow it came out in 94 94 so it's two years after this the film at least yeah but the short story was written you know probably quite a while before that yeah yeah yeah. but i i guess my my point about this is is like was there oh were they always trying to like were they were these prison episodes trying to capture the vibe of something like shawshank or were they just trying to resemble like old prison movies i think old prison movies this this like, episode doesn't actually remind me of the shawshank redemption so much no i get it but to me it's still like it's a prison story it's very much like a get out of jail absolutely well look a prison story is certainly a genre yeah right there are many movies television shows etc yeah. that are set in a prison and it's about life in prison 
even if it's just one film or one episode. Um, this story doesn't necessarily remind me of Shawshank, but I, I get the vibe. It, yeah. it, they share a certain um, set of tropes with those episodes or those all, movies. We, sure. can, we can have a second offspring sing-along if we really wanted to because we could talk about when you're in prison don't turn the other way and a, and a third because we could sing Walla Walla yeah exactly I'll see you in a Walla Walla yeah. well yeah. not this time in the scheme of life we're all just brothers rehabilitate with all the others uh, we are big the offspring fans apparently listeners now you know I've seen them twice this is where people quit the show yeah they quit with the offspring yeah so, so our, our 90s love doesn't stop at Batman the Animated no, Series. No, no, it, it does not. This train don't stop. The this hype, train don't the stop. Hype, the 90s hype don't stop. But That's right. I found this episode weird because, for many reasons. Um, <laughs> really? Yes. Uh, first and foremost, it is it is very... For a kid's show, we have, like like I said, it's an issues episode, right? So it's, it's very heavy on themes of incarceration, homelessness, poverty. This is, like, real heavy for a kid's show. And um, when they were working on this episode... You know, to give a little bit of the trivia, um, like Bruce Tim wasn't into this. Bruce Tim wasn't into. He's quoted as saying, "I didn't want to do this show from the beginning," and that Sean Catherine Derrick, who's one of the writers on this show, on this episode, was big on doing shows with social me- social messages. And my big problem with message message shows is that you can't solve the world's problem in a half hour cartoon. Yeah. If you raise the issue of homelessness, what can you do? It makes the episode very look very exploitative because you're just going to use the problem as an exotic background. He's totally right. Yeah, you know, and and he self-identified the problem. Yes, it, it really should not have been produced. Yes. Um, I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for it as I am grateful to all the 109 episodes of the animated series. Of but this one's weak. It's it's in the bottom five for sure. Um, it has I think a little bit more that is salvageable than Underdwellers. Yes. And there are even parts of this episode that I like, but overall yeah. it's a very low scoring episode for me. Yeah. It's, um, it's tough, and I I agree with Bruce Tim. I think a little bit exploitative. It does not really dive deep into the actual issue because what can you do in 22 minutes, of course, and. Um, yeah, very surface in its treatment of what this episode is actually about. Yeah, because it starts off as like, okay, it's an episode about homelessness. Okay, I get it. That's something that we need to tackle. Then it's an episode about human trafficking. Okay, I get it. That's bad. We need to tackle that. Then it's an episode about incarceration and being in a prison and exploiting workers. Right. It's it's so many issues piled on top big, of each other. Big issues. Big issues. Yeah. Big issues that like... An hour-long show or a series or a film wouldn't be able to to fully give enough, you know, time for. Right. And, you know, spoiler for the end of the episode, but it's like, what is the lesson at the end? Do you know what I mean? I don't know. Uh, and similar to The Underdwellers, I'm left, like, with not knowing how they want me to feel about this. Like, at the end of The Underdwellers, the lesson seemed to be... I guess don't run away from home. I don't know. Give don't foster care a try. <laughs> don't play chicken. Yeah, with the crazy town train. Um, it, it's it's difficult to say what they wanted us to feel. So in this episode, they seem to be saying, "Well, labor, forced labor is bad." Well, yeah, yeah duh, of course. duh, of yeah, course. You know uh, wrongful imprisonment is bad. Yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. Human um, trafficking is bad. We need to be more compassionate to the homeless seem to be the message, but it gets yeah. really lost. It gets really lost, and then at the end of the episode, Bruce Wayne is kind of like, "Well, I'll get you a job." Yeah, I, well, I'll have a lot more to say when yeah. we actually go through the episode, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's really, it really falls apart. It's not as bad as Underdwellers. No. Like, it doesn't have, like, a whole opening that doesn't make sense or no. something like that, but it's it's rough. Yeah, no, it's it's true. Um, just a couple more things before we, we move on. Um, 
can we talk about this villain just a little biggest biggest yes biggest. who he's, they i guess they put no thought into they were like hey, he's a big fat guy he's called biggest yeah all he does is eat not a character from the comics as nope. far as i know all he does is eat throughout the entire episode right that's all he does some pretty good voice acting and foley work by the guy playing biggest yeah, george maddock george murdoch thank you george murdoch yeah, who's um, uh who's like a radio theater stage guy another okay. stage actor yeah, he he's did... fun sewer king was fun in underdwellers as well but this is not a character yes. you know yeah, no, definitely not a character. And then we get these two other guys um, that that Bruce Wayne meets when he's, you know, at the prison, you know, Riley and, and Salvo. Right, who felt like two stock characters yes. from like a 1940s film. Yeah, they definitely felt like they were like, you know, uh, well, they're part, it's the whole thing is they're part of a chain gang, right? That's what they call it. Right. So it's one of those things where it's just like this, they're that they're part of this whole thing and and um, I, I, the voice acting on Riley, who is uh, done by uh, Dorian Harewood, uh, stands out. Um, I must have heard his work in other shows or other He's things. He's got a great voice. He's got a great voice. Um, I actually also liked Lauren Dreyfus's Salvo. Yes. I thought it was terrific. Yes, I do. I think, I think he's great as well. And there are these big characters that I don't think we'll ever see again in the show. But it's, uh, I felt it was kind of um, with the villain... The villain was just, you know, I just don't, I just don't get it. Well, and his plot is, I think he's he's using human trafficking to get slaves, essentially. Yeah. And they're mining for him gold ore. Yeah. Which is what he says. They'll from now on, they'll give me twice the gold ore. But yeah. like, um, then they don't, they don't show us, mi- they don't, they don't mine any gold ore in this episode. No, no. they don't mine. Or at least and also, don't... you can't just suddenly demand double the gold. I know. There's only so much gold. <laughs> right, it's just it's ridiculous. Know, and ridiculous. he says that you know they have to work so he can eat. So is this just <laughs> a whole big fat joke on this guy? I don't. Uh, get I it. guess they clearly didn't put much thought into what he was, or they knew he was only going to be a one-time yeah, use villain. Yeah, yeah, they they knew. Just they like knew. Sewer King, they're just like I don't know. He lives in the sewer. He's got some alligators. Yeah, yeah. Also, we'll well we'll get further into this that guy's like later. oh he's fat. I don't know. Yeah, his name is Biggest. Biggest. Good enough. Yeah, really good. They might as well just call him fat, so. Yeah, they could. They should have called him the Fat Man. That would have been better yeah. in some way. Yeah. That could be a little ominous. Biggest just sounds stupid. The Fat Man sounds like, oh, fuck, what's yeah, up? What, who's he? He might even be fat. Right. Might all be Might all be like a like a Little John situation. I understand. It's like a smoke screen. Right. Yeah. Yes. Mysterio. Mm-hmm. Mysterio. Fat, fat with a P, man. Yeah, Fat Man. Um, Mysterio would have been a better villain in this episode. Correct. Any Spider-Man villain would have been better <laughs> than the guy we got. <laughs> So just a little trivia. We already talked about a little bit of it. Um, when they first did this episode, the director, um, Boyd Kirkland, who has done a couple episodes we've talked yes, about so far. He, he does many, many, many episodes. Many episodes, episodes that uh, he actually had to keep going back and forth with the production side of things because um, the intro was a little too heavy. I think <laughs> right. there was like more homeless people and and they were showing mothers and kids and they, they didn't standards and practices didn't want him to have an episode yeah. where they showed that kids and moms could be homeless. They very, very strange edit. Yeah. They're like, only dads can be homeless. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, okay. What are you trying to say there? Well, I, th- I think if I'm reading into standards and practice, they're kind of trying to say like, hey, some kids that are watching this show might be in a divorced home. Yeah. And might be insecure if like the mom has custody and like, are, are we going to become homeless next? Doesn't that seem to be what standards and practices yes. are saying? That's almost sounds, sounds exactly like what they were saying, but it's like, oh, well, dad, you know, yeah. I think it's an issue that affects everyone. I wish yes. they had had the courage to show that, but also I wish they had had the courage to just cut this episode entirely. Yes. Yeah. I think, I think when you're pushing to get to syndication, I think you can't cut episodes, especially early on. I know. And we talked about that last time with the, um, with the underdwellers. 
But um, with this one, it does feel like if those two episodes just feel like they they're just it's just fat you can trim off. Right. I, I think at the end of each season, we plan to do a season retrospective where we kind of just look at our favorites and stuff and then yeah. also look at the bottom. At the end of this whole podcast, at the end of, in the future, Mike, in the in the many years from now, hey, future Eckhart. of this. Hey, Eckhart, think about the future. We'll do a full series retrospective yeah. and I think this episode is still going to be at the bottom. Oh, to- totally. Because um, when you push to syndication, you want to try to get to, I think, 100 episodes? 100 that right? They made 109. So they could have cut nine. So we're going to talk about what's whatever the reverse term would be the the power nine but yeah. the the bad version of yeah, that the, the, we should have a power nine the too. negative nine yeah I don't the know. negative nine that'd be good so this is definitely on there underdwellers is on there Under, too underdwellers the, the nine they should have cut and it's just they would have made it to syndication but they cut the extra yeah, nine nine is bad I, i'm christmas with the joker might be christmas with the joker is not good but it's also not horrible it's not a bottom 10 episode I no it's think. not it's not worse than either of these two right um you know, also, oh, so the idea for this episode was conceived when Bruce, Tim, and the writers wondered what Bruce would do if he had lost his memory and was forced to find a solution without gadgets or his costume. I, I get that, and that's a cool concept for Batman, but at the same time, it's like, if he loses his memory, he's not, even if he had his gadget, it doesn't matter. Like, right. I, I think the concept for this episode is good, but I think you almost need to split that concept into two different things. It's sure. like, Batman without his, without his gadgets... Or Bruce Wayne losing his memory. Right. I this think is, either of those work. Yeah, this is one of basically two episodes where that happens, yeah. where Batman is basically not Batman. Yeah. Um, even in other episodes, well, you know what, I don't want to get too far into okay. it. But it's basically this episode, which is bad, yeah. and perchance the dream, which is good. Yes. Where he just kind of forgets he's Batman, or perchance the dream is a little bit more complicated than this, but... It is an interesting idea. You can do things with yeah, it. Yeah, it's just sure. not interesting in this episode. No, definitely not at all. Um, and as we've said, we said before, um, this episode's not great. But my initial thoughts on the episode is that there's a laziness in it. It's not a great episode, and it's one of those things where you make it through the 22, and then you know Jordan and I will listen to these <laughs> um, two and three times. Watch these two and three times rather. So. Uh, yeah, 66 minutes. I got to be honest with you. This was an episode I really remembered Yeah. from yeah. being a kid. So yeah. ironically, the episode titled The Forgotten was one of my most remembered. They played it all the time. Of course they did. And when I was rewatching it to do this podcast, I hated it again. <laughs> I took our notes for our episode. And then normally, yeah, I will rewatch an episode two or three times just to kind of, yeah, of um, to get it. This one I didn't. I basically made it through once, and I was like, I can't do it again. I can't do this again. I can't do this to myself. Since since yeah. I'm the episode runner on this one, yeah, I, I needed to yeah. watch it multiple I'm sorry, times. Mike. It was bad. Uh, the first time was bad. The second time was worse, and the third time was um, worse. To, uh, or back to better. You loved it the third time. The third time, uh, I made peace with myself. Well, you know I, what? Though? I found I found enlightenment. The Joker's in this episode for like a second. That counts. Yeah, it as does. an appearance. It is. Mark Hamill got paid. It's not Mark Hamill. It's Kevin, Mark Hamill in this Kev, episode. It's Kevin Conroy, uncredited. Kevin as, Conroy does the Joker himself in this episode. Does the Joker laugh? Oh, look yeah, at that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm that's, sorry. That's a that's little, actually awesome. That's a bit of trivia that Kevin Conroy, uncredited, is the Joker in this episode. I love that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. You ready to dive in? I'm ready. Let's All do right. it. Let's dive in. We get our opening theme as always. Yep. And now we get the title card. We hear Western harmonica blues because it's a prison episode. <laughs> Uh, playing over an image of a prison fence with barbed wire. The Forgotten is written in a fairly plain font, a fairly common font. I would be able to almost tell you which font it was, but I didn't feel like looking it up. Yeah. 
And the uh, episode is already bad. And the episode is already kind of showing you like, hey, guys, this is going to be boring. Batman in jail. How does this work? It doesn't. We cut to Gotham City at night. We see a few pigeons perched on a line. Yeah, we got those those pigeons already kind of reminding me of jailbirds, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. You know, if you referenced Shawshank, I thought immediately of like birds flying and yeah. things like that. You know? Yeah. They fly off as we pan towards the streets. We see a pawn shop and leagues of homeless people salvaging items from the trash, looking raggard and tattered. Um, kind of dressed, though, in like... <laughs> like, they're wearing a lot of clothes, you know, these right. homeless folks. Like, they're very, very, like, they, they all have coats and they all have... These are heavily costumed homeless yes, people. Yes, this yes. This is like onstage homeless people. Yes, it's this like, is Hooverville from Annie. Yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. Like, of course I have a three-piece suit. Mm-hmm. Um... We cut to Bruce Wayne helping out at a homeless shelter, and the man running the shelter thanks Bruce right, for helping. Stop. What? <laughs> okay, what? so one, why is Bruce Wayne helping out at the homeless shelter? He wants to give back to the community. No, really. What do you, is that why you think he's there? No, I think he's there to do Batman stuff. I hope that's the case, because we've already established, even in just eight episodes, or I guess the first seven, because this is eight um, that Bruce Wayne is supposed to be a disguise. Yes. A facade, right? He's an airheaded guy who womanizes and doesn't really care about anything, right? That's what we really learned about him in Nothing to Fear, yeah. right? Was that yeah. the opinion of Bruce Wayne is that he's uh, lazy and he doesn't care about the general public. So isn't volunteering at a homeless shelter kind of not ruining the disguise, but it's just, it's inconsistent characterization from him about yeah. himself. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, I guess he does care, so maybe he is there to do Batman stuff. I guess so. It's bad. Are there uh, a lot of homeless criminals? Probably. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. Well, actually, we'll, we'll get to, like, the, the big thing at the core of this episode, which yeah. is just the relationship between ho- being homeless and being a criminal, but, like, dude, you're, you're a billionaire. If you're actually here, like, at the soup kitchen to, like, help out, that's nice. But, uh, honestly, you could do a lot more with your billions than peeling some potatoes. Of course. Of course. And he peels a whole lot of potatoes. Not well. No. Very poorly. Um, when he's talking to the guy who runs the runs the uh, homeless shelter, um, he's, he says that, you know, he, he mentions that a lot of his regulars have been going missing um, over the last few weeks or months. And, uh, you know, Bruce obviously perks up to this because, you know, he's got that Batman brain going. And then he also mentions that... Well, what, here's... That's my problem. Because he didn't know about that before showing no, up here. of course not. This was new information. Yeah. So he really was just volunteering at this um, so. uh, mission. Yeah. It's an inconsistency with the character. Yeah. Um, I, I will say the guy who Bruce is peeling potatoes with is dressed as Luigi. Um, <laughs> if you want to watch this episode, he is very much wearing Luigi colors. And I don't know how to peel the potato, Mario. What? That is a vicious stereotype. Right, of Luigi. Correct. That's what he sounds like. All right. So um, he also mentions that a volunteer has gone missing, a Dan Riley. And uh, Bruce asks if he's talked to the police. And we get, you know, kind of our, our first kind of, you know... Um, like issue right here is that you know the police have their hands full homeless people disappearing isn't big news um you know that's kind of like that's kind of all right cool you're already injecting like the the kind of vibe that like homeless people gone missing people don't really care about that you know people think of the homeless as subhuman blah 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 it's kind of that whole vibe like it's not even worth our time to try to even find out what's exactly it's it's the whole idea of well who's even going to miss a homeless person or who's going to who's going to miss a transient exactly and now they have uh dan riley has been missing and he was a volunteer so uh bruce immediately kind of kind of is inquisitive of this um so then we cut to the bat cave we see some bats 
Bruce goes to his closet and he pulls out what I can only assume to be normal clothes um, in the Batcave. So Bruce has <laughs> Bruce Wayne. He has a bat has the Batcave with all the yeah. Batman suits, but he has a, a closet in the Batcave with regular clothes in it. I liked it. Yeah, you liked it. You didn't like it. it bothered you? I think it's funny. I liked it. I like that Gaff Morgan is a specific cover that he uses. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? Gaff Morgan is one of his disguises. Right. Which I find, uh, which I find great. I don't know if that's a reference to anything, but um, I don't, I don't know is. either. I didn't look it up, but I will say that I think this is reminiscent of what actual law enforcement does at yeah. times, yep. uh, including federal law enforcement. And also, yeah, it was just cool to see another side of Batman. Yeah. An actor is yeah. something he definitely dabbles in. Yeah. And it was just cool. Yeah. I like that he has these outfits and he probably does this. I mean, listen, when you're the world's greatest detective, just like Sherlock Holmes. You have to be a detective. You have to go undercover sometimes. Sherlock yeah. did it all the time. Yeah, he did. And Batman obviously tr- traces his lineage back to uh, stories like Sherlock Holmes. For oh, sure. for sure. Yeah. And um, he also applies makeup that says stage seven. I gather it's supposed to be like an age makeup. But man, this makeup lasts forever. It does. He Actually, when he wakes up in the new place, it's gone. Kind of. The hair dye stays. Yeah, but it's not hair dye. It's like a spray. He sprays in stuff yeah. in his hair to make it white. Yeah. And then he like messes it up a little bit so he looks more homeless. I will say, being a theater person myself, that, st- that stuff you put in your hair does tend to stick around if you don't wash it out. All right. All right. I'll give you that one. I just feel like this this makeup lasts a long time. There's some good makeup. There's some clay face quality well, makeup. Well, he is a billionaire. Yeah, he is. He could buy the best he, stuff. He went directly to Max Factor. Yeah. He's he like, what like, do you I got? I want that. I want stage seven. <laughs> um, so now... Batman gets in his car, which is, we learn later, is a Studebaker. Uh, no, excuse me. I want to read exactly what's in your notes. Oh, okay. It says, he's looking real homeless right yeah. now. <laughs> Thank you. Batman's looking let's, real homeless. Yeah, let's treat the document as sacred. <laughs> Thank you. Um, he, uh, Gaff Morgan looks like he hasn't paid his rent in years. Uh, Batman, like a true bear, gets into his natural habitat, a Studebaker. And which drives is a down. car I like. I yes, thought it was Yeah, cool. it's a cool car. And he drives down to the Bowery. Uh, for those of you who are fans of the Muppets... Uh, that is a line from the Muppets where Fozzie Bear says, a bear in his natural habitat, a Studebaker. Um, very good. Yes, very good. Fozzie Bear. He joins the ranks of homeless, but like not in like, uh, like, an, like kind of in an undercover way. But um, he clearly thinks there's something fishy going on. So he's trying to draw out bad guys, right? <laughs> right. Oh, I just, I don't know how he draws them out. I know that they're just like looking for guys to pick up, but like when you think anybody have been easier than him, yeah, it's just like ah, oh, there's a bunch of homeless people hanging out. Hey, look, there's one. He's like six two, two twenty five. Yeah, he's looks giant. like he can handle himself in a fight. Let's kidnap that one. Yeah, let's kidnap the big guy. You kidding? No, <laughs> stupid. But um, he kind of drives all around around the Bowery, you know, trying to draw people out, and then eventually he gets down to um, he drives down to an abandoned lot. A black cat jumps out of the trash, so we know that's bad luck. Also, I love that because yeah. I, I do think that is a Catwoman it's reference. absolutely a Catwoman reference. And uh, there reference. is a little smile on his oh, face as he's interacting times. with that cat. He he is very much intrigued by this cat on multiple occasions to sure. me. Now, granted, we haven't met Catwoman through we our haven't, Cat watch. Cat in the Claw hasn't happened yet on the production side. Yes. If we were doing this in broadcast order, we would have already seen yeah, Catwoman. Yeah, we would have met Catwoman um, right away. So it would make sense that he would you know associate this black cat with Catwoman who Batman has always kind of had an on-again, off-again relationship with. Right. This could be Bruce Tim playing with us. Yeah. This I could be so. just him saying like, hey, we all know you love Catwoman. Yes. Here's a little taste of Catwoman. Yes. And so I, I definitely took that for the, oh, for the black I, cat. I think know? so, without, without a doubt. Um, he gets distracted by the cat, and then two guys kind of, you know, they get to jump on him. Uh, they ask him if he's looking for a job, 
And he goes, what kind of job? And then they say, long-term employment. Har, har, har. Har, har, har. They swing at him, and he dodges. He kicks oh, one of... Yeah, these guys suck. Yeah, yeah, they're so bad. They're the worst goons ever. He, he actually keeps his hands in his pockets I know, the entire time. I know, I know. He like, he like, it's like an embarrassment with how good he can fight versus how terrible these guys are <laughs> at trying to like right. club him. And he, you know, he kicks one of the guys in the gut, dodges some punches. He dodges a headbutt. The guy headbutts a box and, pa- and knocks himself out. Um, and he's once again distracted by the cat. As he's distracted by the cat, uh, he gets slugged on the head with a club. That actually kind of just the looks br- like the a bread club. Yeah, a big stale baguette. baguette. And, then he, and then he passes out. Clearly, Biggest gave them that club. Yeah, he's like, I need this, you to hit him with bread. This is too stale even for me. me I can't eat this bread. You're going to hit Batman with it. Oh, wait, he didn't know it was Batman. <laughs> and then uh, we have a big cut, and we cut to what I can only explain as a southwestern mining prison. Yeah. Or like a work camp. We see a bunkhouse of men waking up to go to work for the day. A small redhead guy gets up, goes to wake up um, his friend who's a, who's a black man. He calls him Riley. And uh, Bruce, as Gaff Morgan, wakes up coughing. He's uh, he's chained to the bed. I still think his makeup is somewhat intact. He's lost the 5 o'clock shadow part of his makeup. Yes. So if that was part of the makeup, that is gone. Unless he's had a shave since then, it's not really clear. Because no. his outfit's a little different. He's yeah. chained to the bed. Yeah. So when he wakes, he wakes up, um, and the two guys who we find out later on are, are Riley and Salvo, um, inquire about Bruce about um, his well-being, and Bruce responds with, where am I? And uh, one of the guys, Salvo, says, I, they, they don't really know where they are, but apparently it ain't Miami. <laughs> um, Riley introduces himself as Dan Riley. And his friend is Salvo Smith. What a name. Salvo Smith sounds like he would have been like one of the funny guys yep. in like a war movie. Yeah. yeah. Like a Band of Brothers style. Thing. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah, hey, yeah. And the one guy from Brooklyn, Salvo yeah, Smith. Yeah. Or uh, or uh, Jack Black's character in Tropic Thunder. Uh, totally the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. This is a role that, he kind of, Salvo reminded me of James Cagney a little bit. A little bit. Uh, there's, there's something to that. Absolutely. That whole kind of, you know, trying to, that mid-century kind of, uh, kind of vibe here. It's definitely sort of a stock character. Yes. Yeah. Now, we know as the audience that Dan Riley was the guy who was reported as missing. Right. But... Not to be confused with Ben Riley. No. The Scarlet Spider. The Scarlet Spider, right. and then eventually Spider-Man. Correct. And then... And then dead. Dead. And then alive again. Alive again. And then I think dead again. I think maybe possibly dead again. Right. Mm-hmm. And Bruce doesn't remember this because he has amnesia. So... Like Calculon. <laughs> I, this is the other thing in this episode that I guess, you know, you're an animated cartoon show. You can get away with doing an amnesia plot, but it's just like, oh my God, what a weak trope. Like a, the most soapy, stupid thing you can do is that I've lost my memories. Curse this acting talent. Thank you, Calculon. Yes, Calculon. Um, we cut again to dogs barking. I want to say this right now. We have to highlight that this is the second episode we've watched written by uh, Dennis and Mueller. And each of them have angry animals right. with spike collars. Right. The gators on from from underdwellers. Yes, um, this and I said this before. And what again. are dogs but land gators? They're land gators right. for sure. This episode is does kind of feel like the underdwellers. Um, it's maybe like one or two notches better, but not by much. Right. Um, they they we now the 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 gang of guys is now going to get their food, and they're clearly serving some sort of green mush. 
that Salvo That's is Soylent mush to you. Yeah, it's Soylent mush is people. Salvo says if it's moving, it's a it's a it's a rat, <laughs> it's a live rat, and if it's not moving, then it's a dead rat. Right. Very um, good. But I don't know any green rats. Um, finally, we're introduced to the villain, Biggus, a big fat guy in a white suit and fedora. He's just always eating. It's Biggus. He's Biggus. He's Biggus. He essentially says that these guys can work so he can eat. So the, his whole motivation is just that he's fat, which is uh, lovely. What, what a stupid. What stupid motivation. Just stupid. It's really dumb. I need gold to buy food because yeah. I'm fat is basically the motivation yes, for yes. the character. Yes, his motivation is I'm hungry all the time. Now, ranked against Kirk Langstrom, Man Bat, way, way down. Low, way low. Way down and the listen, list. Kirk Langstrom, Thus far, I don't think we anyone's have not Langstrom. Found, we've not found a villain with better motivation. Ivy was close in Pretty Poison. I said this close. is a little noble. Yes. But not as noble as I just want to be a bat. Me personally, leave me alone. And then Batman beats him up and puts him in jail. Correct. Yes, because all the, he, can't, he can't let this man be what he wants to be. Can't let him be happy. Yeah, I know. That's his true happiness. Is this? I'm the only bat in town. Maybe that's why he does it. Maybe it's a jealousy thing. Right. If he if he was like I don't know, man flamingo or something like yeah, that. I think Batman would have been like, yeah, yeah all right, yeah, you're not you hurting anybody man. else. You can be a flamingo. Yeah, you can be a flamingo. It's fine. Stand on one leg. I don't care. Yeah. Um, there's like meat all over his face. Is Batman possibly a libertarian? Oh. Do we want to open up that can of worms? You know. Um, I don't know. I know he's been he's been called a fascist at times. You think Batman's fascist? Well, I think in his control over Gotham is fascist. Oh, I think it's gotten to that point in some storylines. Yeah. I don't think in this storyline. No, no. I think uh, Batman... Probably not in the animated series, put it, it that way. Well, he is a vigilante, so he, he already is. doesn't trust the law or the government. Right, which would it would help us a little bit more if the, the the police entity in this show was a little bit more like the cops in The Batman, yeah, where it's like we know they're corrupt. Yes, right? yes. In this one, we don't know. Batman just seems to not trust them to be able to do the job right. I don't know. It depends on what era of libertarianism you're talking about. Sure, I, I don't think Batman is fascist. I think Batman is possibly libertarian. Yes. When we take into account Bruce Wayne. But I would say classic libertarian and not modern libertarian. Which is just boy. I don't think we want to get in there. No, no, not you know what? Show. Let's back right out. Go back right. I apologize. I'm Homer Simpson backing into the hedges. Um, you killed Captain Clown. You killed Captain Clown. So, um, yeah, there's meat all over this dude's face. He's a big revolting blob of a man. Oh, Jesus, I, he's not. I mean, he's slightly better than Sewer King, but he's on the bottom. I don't know, man. Sewer King. He has, might be worse than Sewer King. I you know what? This episode is better than yes, than the, than but the Sewer King was a better villain. Sewer, Sewer King <laughs> right. is a better villain. Best of the worst, right? Yeah, he's more Sewer fun. Sewer King at least had take my hand. Never. Yes, yes, he had that, and then he had the Gator <laughs> Pit where Batman swings over and says it later. Very good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we finally learned that these men are being forced to mine gold so this big fat guy can eat more chicken, <laughs> turkey, whatever he's eating, ostrich legs. I don't know. Uh, he's, he's got like a ham roast at one yeah, point. It was yeah, great. Yeah. I mean, the food looks pretty good. He threatens the Who's entire... Who's cooking for him out there? I don't know. That's fucked up. Maybe the guys in the box. He threatens the entire <laughs> lot of the men. Oh, like he's eating the guys yeah, in yeah, the yeah. box. Yeah, that's what he's doing. He's eating meat. He's eating human meat. He does say at one point, yo, roast. Yeah. I was like, it, he's going to eat this it, fucking yeah, he's guy. he's getting a little hungry. <laughs> Uh, you can see it's like his mouth is way too wet. Um, he threatens the entire lot of men to start busting their butt or they'll end up like him. And he points to another guy, another guy with red hair, but this one has glasses. The man screams, but two guys carry him away and throw him into the, the box. box. Bruce goes to the fight. The hot box. Yeah, the hot box. Bruce goes to fight, but Riley stops him. They throw the guy in the box to cook and essentially and um, 
we're clearly not in East Goth- East Coast Gotham anymore. And then once again, we get that prison blues music. Right. Uh, we go back to Wayne Manor. Uh, Alfred pick, flips a pink light switch to wake Bruce Wayne up, but Bruce's automatic shades open up. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's got auto shades in the 30s. Alf- that might have been a thing. I don't know. I'm going to give a maybe. To All that. right. That they I can might give have a maybe. had that. Batman's remote control for the radio. Definitely not. No. Alfred realized that Bruce isn't there, and then he drops a line, only vampires loathe more sunlight. Uh, so only only vampires loathe sunlight more than Batman. And college students. And Yes, of course. Uh, just another, just Alfred is so catty in this show. It's great. I love it. Um, then we cut back to guys working on the mine. They're pushing what I can only describe as Donkey Kong style <laughs> mine carts. Yes. Bruce takes a lift down to the depths of the mine where he meets Riley and Salvo mining for go- uh, gold ore. Though it does not seem like that's what they're doing. No. It looks like maybe they've done some blasting and they're carting like the rocks, rocks. out of a tunnel. But there's no gold actually shown in this yeah, show. Yeah, no gold at all. Uh, they're lifting rocks into the mine, cr- mine cart. Bruce is uh, really just, it's so funny how like you take a look at like Bruce Wayne, he's supposed to be some like old homeless guy, but he's like completely jacked and just like lifting these boulders with no problem. I think, um, yeah, I think he would have set off some red flags. Yeah. Like, hey, boss, we just kidnapped this guy. He's big. We thought he was homeless, but like, I don't know, he's like really in shape, like professionally in shape, <laughs> like possibly like an Olympic decathlete. <laughs> and he's very good looking. Like, do we think like we accidentally kidnapped someone famous? Like, you think human traffickers maybe look for that? Like, yeah. oh, is this going to make some press? Yeah. Um, Bruce uh, questions whether or not he'll ever remember anything again and Riley gives the line that he can't give up hope that he can't give up hope that down here that's all they have to hold on to Salvo right. says, children's show right. yeah, yeah exactly uh, Salvo says that he was once he was one of Gotham City's unemployed and kind of giggles it off and Riley was a steam fitter with the Go- Gotham Navy Yard but he used to volunteer with the homeless um, he says that one night he was getting into his car and he got jumped Riley finally tells Bruce that he has a family waiting for him back in Gotham, and Bruce starts to remember things when he hears him say the words rescue mission. There's a cave-in, because you can't have a mining episode of a cartoon without a good old-fashioned cave-in. Absolutely. The boys are buried under rubble, but they get out. It seems like no one was hurt seriously, and uh, Salvo does say that this sort of thing happens way too often. Right. What do we think the purpose of the cave-in is in this episode? This, I thought, was a dead end. Yeah, it's a dead end that they probably wanted to explore more. I mean, honestly, it's just talking about working conditions, right? It is, but it's like, wow, you're going to pile that on, too? At first, I was like, okay, a cave-in, because I couldn't quite remember how this episode played out. I was like, oh, right, there's a cave-in. Does something fall on Bruce's head, and that's how he remembers? No, actually, there's basically just a cave-in, and they get out, and that's it. That's it. That's the whole significance yep. of the cave-in. And I was like, oh, so are we... T- you're right, we're talking about, like, unsafe working conditions. And I was like, these dudes have been kidnapped and have been made slaves. Isn't that more of an issue than, like, watch out for cave-ins? Watch out for falling rocks? What the fuck? Yeah. So we now cut to Wayne Manor. Alfred takes a call for Bruce and makes up an excuse that he needed to go out of town for a few days. Alfred checks the garage to see that the Studebaker is gone, which uh, naturally has a tracking device on it. Oh, of course. Of course. Alfred uses the back computer to track down where the Studebaker is. The Bowery. The Bowery. Now we get to one of the better scenes in the in the episode. Yes, we cut this, to a, this is the only, I think, the only good scene in the episode. Only good scene. We cut to a dream sequence. Uh, we've got Bruce Wayne walking down the Hall of Mirrors, mm-hmm. um, still in his Gaff Morgan uh, costume. We see bats. We see a few funhouse effects as he walks, walks past the mirrors. We then hear Bruce Wayne laughing as Gaff Morgan Bruce Wayne turns around to see himself, 
but without the hair dye and back in his normal brown suit, laughing hysterically at him. Bruce Wayne then turns into the Joker and gives us the classic classic Joker laugh. Which you have now told me is Conroy is and not Hamill, Kevin which Conroy. is really cool. Yeah, when I looked it up, it said Kevin Conroy. Uh, the mirror shatters as Joker pulls the Gaff Morgan Bruce Wayne through the mirror window as they plummet down to the streets of Gotham below. We see then a fireball transition as Bruce Wayne is walking down around some burnt-out buildings in what we could only understand is probably a worse version of the Bowery, and he sees the dockside rescue mission where the homeless people were. A homeless man taps Bruce on the shoulder, he gives him a few dollars, and then a few more people ask Wayne for money until it's so overwhelming that Bruce realizes that even his exorbitant wealth cannot help save the homeless problem alone. He then cries, which is uh, odd, but I guess he's so overcome with um, with not being able to help everyone that it makes him upset. Right. So, yeah, I started off our discussion in this episode, at least my part, with like, okay, you know, Bruce, you're a billionaire. You can do more for the homeless than just peeling potatoes. But actually, it, there, there's more to it than that. And yeah. I was I was being, you know, a little unkind. In this dream sequence, the most powerful segment to me, other the Hall of Mirrors is great. But the most powerful segment is when he's out among the people and he has yeah. all this money, yeah. and then suddenly there are more hands than there is money. Yeah. And that speaks to what they were trying to get to in yes. this episode, which is that this problem is more about than just what one good man can do, even if he's Batman, even if he has all this all this money. Yeah. So as either of his identities, the problem is systemic. Yes. And it takes all of us to do something about it, because if it's left to just one person, they're never going to be able to really help. I just wish... I wish the episode had... Uh, the courage and also the quality to meet the ambitions of this dream sequence because the dream sequence is good. It basically is saying like, what can one good man do to to save the city and like to solve this one problem? And the answer is that he can't by himself. No. You all have to help him to do that. The only thing that would have made that work out for this episode, and it's also a dead end, is if you know at the end of the episode Bruce Wayne starts some sort of fund and he gets people involved and the mayor and all that stuff right. to try to help the homeless problem, but he doesn't. He doesn't he actually drives the, off in his limo. Yeah, the, the end of the episode's very disappointing. We'll talk about it more when we get there, but it's like, yeah, he offers to get those two guys jobs and and I guess that's it. That's it. I mean I'm sure he'll make his yearly donations as billionaire Bruce Wayne and get his tax write off, but that's that's he's essentially said, well that's all I can do. But but the episode promises a little more than that in this yeah. dream sequence. The suggestion seems to be, I am so sad I can't do more for these people. And as the viewer, you feel like, well, maybe there's something I can do to help him. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't get doesn't, us there. It does not pan out. Um, we now cut back to Biggest disgustingly eating a sandwich. We <laughs> see him start to eat from the inside of his mouth. It's kind of gross. Um, these writers really like when their villains eat disgustingly. Like... Both the Sewer King yes, and Biggest yes. eat very disgustingly. And, and specifically like chicken legs or yeah, turkey legs. Yeah, big turkey legs. I wonder if like Sewer King, I guess Biggest is supposed to be a representative character. Yes. Right? Because he, yes. he's clearly got no value as a character yeah. himself. They barely characterize him. I guess mm -hmm. he's supposed to represent um, the gluttony or the, yeah. the greed yeah. of yeah. of society. Maybe. Right? Again, it's so shallow. It's really hard to pick up on what they're going for here other than what's right on the surface. Just like, oh, the fat man is bad. He eats. They don't. And uh, I guess, yeah, he's in a big white suit. So maybe he's supposed to represent like the wealth and the prosperity of the 1% or maybe it could even be like the first world in general. I don't know. Yeah. The idea that the system is already built to account for people that will have not. Yes. 
you know, yes, will be have nots. But uh, unfortunately, none of this really leads to anything. It doesn't lead to anything. anything. Yeah, that is why this episode is bad. I want to be clear. Yes, it's not course. because of animation or anything else. It's because the writing doesn't live up to the promise of the kinda, episode. Kinda, yeah, it kind of uh, loses its teeth, right? It kind of has no teeth. It kind of has episode. no teeth. Yeah, it's got no teeth. So he then looks over at you know the workers and says, "I've never seen such lazy scum." Which is kind of uh, like... You sure? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, he hasn't look, looked in a mirror recently. Right. Um, I think he kind of... Like, that's kind of like Batman's... Batman the Animated Series take on the whole no one wants to work anymore. A hundred percent. Which Absolutely. is Which has actually been something that has been said by people for for a hundred plus years that nobody wants to work anymore. Old Older folks always say that younger people don't want to work. That's kind of like a running gag and a running theme. Sure. Well, the system time. has kind of beaten them too, yes, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, Salvo blows a raspberry at the boss, which <laughs> catches his attention, but also gets him real mad. Did he insinuate that the, this guy just like farted or something because he's a big fat guy? Is yes. that what he did? That's, that's what he did, Correct. right? Okay. Um, he commands that the men take Salvo and throw him in the box. And Riley exclaims, it'll kill him. And then Riley and Bruce get into a little Bronigan and with the guards, and um, they play that cool Western fight music again. <laughs> they beat the shit out of these guards. Beat them senseless. And I thought, like, Riley could be a superhero. Yeah. Like, You're really good at fighting. But ultimately, and this is so interesting. He's a tough guy. Ultimately, um, Biggis's guards yeah. do take them down. Yes. And I'm like, Biggis's guards are more powerful than Batman. Then I realized because of what happens later in the episode, I'm like, oh, he he's not Batman in this yeah, moment. Yeah, he's not. You know, he's, he's not really Batman. not. He's he, Gaff Morgan. He's Gaff Morgan who has been knocked out and probably doesn't remember how to fight right. super well. Like yep. he's probably got some instinct, but that's about it. So they throw him in the oven. Um, <laughs> and now we cut to Alfred is walking around Gotham Knight oh. trying to track down the Studebaker. This is, again, like Underdwellers. It's yeah. the same formula where yeah. you have the main plot going on. And then Alfred is doing like a funny comedic relief B-plot on the side. In Underdwellers, he was like trying to raise Frog, the little leprechaun kid, to be like yeah. a gentleman. And this one right? Tr- yeah. Wash dishes, serve him a proper meal, whatever. In this, we have Alfred trying to figure out like how to be Batman yeah. when Batman's not yes. there. So we see a close-up of a truck, and the truck drives past. Alfred runs to the truck and puts a tracking device on the bottom of this truck, showing us some of those MI6 skills. Alfred is a pro, uh, and as he allows the truck to kind of drive away with it, with him under it, like he does that thing where he's like, all right, I'm going to get real small so the truck doesn't crush me. Right. Um, we cut back to the camp. Riley and Gaff Morgan are having a chat while they're in the boxes. Riley says, you really clean their clocks. And uh, Riley suggested that maybe um, he was some kind of fighter. Bruce is still dealing with the loss of his memory, and it's got him real concerned. Riley starts talking about his son, who's soon going to be 6th on the 7th of April, or is it 7 on the 6th of April? This is when he kind of loses hope, finally, and he kind of loses it, Riley. Um, It's probably the box getting to him. Uh, um, Bruce parrots his words, telling him not to lose hope, and then Riley, Riley finally cracks. He says, I've lost my family. And then the words, my family, echo in Bruce's head until he sees a vision of his parents with Bruce as a child. And then we get the image of the Wayne family grave, which explodes in the bats like Dracula. Also a pretty good moment in the yes. episode. Yes. Yeah. Um, we cut to the top of the building. We see old, tall, dark, and gruesome himself, Batman. <laughs> right. And it looks like Bruce Wayne finally has his memory back. Now it's time to be Batman in Arizona, or wherever the hell this is. Yeah. So uh, this is Batman remembering he's Batman. Yes. And then he's able to free himself. And then immediately he turns into Batman. Like he, yes. his voice changes and everything. He's like, you got to pull it together. 
Um, I, I actually loved it. Yeah. It's a really good moment, and also it spoke to the psychology of the character where I was like, oh, shit. He's mm-hmm. like, he has extra power yeah. when he realizes he's Batman. Yeah. Like, like almost like Batman is a psychosis thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Because he's, he's got the same muscles he had before, but there's something about it. Like, knowing you're Batman gives you strength. It's the drive, right? It's, it's something. It. it happens with Spider-Man, too. Um, Spider-Man, when the tension's high, is usually much stronger. Sure. And is it Raimi's Spider-Man 2, where he like doesn't really feel like being Spider-Man yep. anymore, so he loses, he loses his, his powers? powers. Yep. This was definitely kind of the same too thing. Too much going on in his brain, too much going on in his heart, and it right. kind of screws with his powers. Yeah. Um, which is something out of the comic books, too. Right. Batman uses his newly found bat strength, and he kicks out the backside of the box. Um, we get the prison music again. The boss is unloading some new volunteers to the cause. We see Bruce run off as the boss, com- as Biggest, commands his men to stop him. Bruce runs into the box canyon. Oh, box, God. Uh, yep, where there is so, yeah, no they, way out. They heat them in the box, and then he runs into box canyon, or yep. a box canyon. Yep. Just fucking lazy writing, stupid. Yep, very, very lazy writing. Also, don't like it. No. I. He's Batman. That's fine. What is his plan? He's going to run into Box Canyon and do what? He doesn't have a utility belt. We know that momentarily Alfred comes to save him. He doesn't know that that's going to happen. What was the plan? I don't know. So I wonder if the bat plane will show up. Bruce continues to run away as he scales up some small cliffs to escape the dogs. He makes a really impossible jump to get some distance. And then the guards see Bruce climbing up a crevice in the rocks, which should be impossible, but he's Batman. He's and, Batman. And we do see the Batplane flying through the canyons with Alfred at the helm. He has no idea what he's doing as he commands the Batplane to land, but it won't because there is no suitable landing space. The Bat computer is also very sassy yeah, in this scene. Yeah, it's a sassy computer. He's like, funeral. He, right, he's begging him to land. It's your funeral. It's like, yeah. oh shit. Yeah. Bat computer is sassy. Bat computer's got a little a little of that Ultron uh, <laughs> right. Ultron uh, vibe going on for it. This um, this is nothing like this, but I was trying to think. I was like, oh, has Batman ever had like a Jarvis or something like that? And I remember he did because it was that OMAC thing, yeah. right? And yeah. it ended up being really evil. Yeah, super evil. <laughs> right. Wasn't good for anyone. Wasn't good for anyone. Bruce and Alfred reunite, and Bruce gives him like one of those like loving face tap slash light punches. That's about as affectionate as Bruce can be with another man. I think so. I think that's, you know. Yeah. So now we see Biggis. We cut to Biggis. He's eating eating very fattily right. again. Right. He's eating even more. Yeah. It's the biggest thing we've seen him eat. It's He's, some kind of like pork leg or something. It's a giant pork leg or whatever. Maybe it's a prosciutto. He demands gravy. Mm, prosciutto. Yeah. Um, he demands gravy, which uh, also is kind of like the Sewer King demanding the rolls. It's the same fucking it's the character. Same, it's the same character. I mean, God. He takes an impossible bite out of this turkey leg, seemingly bites through the bone. He eats everything but the bone. Yeah, exactly. Like, he really gets it all. Oh, yeah. Cartilage and all. Good for him. Good for him. Biggest says that... The My meat... grandmother would have been proud of this guy. I know. She'd be like, you got everything out of there. Clean he fucking plate. He would crack the bone and suck out the marrow. Yeah, oh, and she'd be man. like, well done. Well done. Yeah. I've never done that. Biggest says that... Neither have I, but I've seen old people that do it. It's yeah. kind of cool. It's kind of... De- it's it's kind of like you fucking live through the depression. Yeah, you got to like, eat it all. You got to eat that marrow because that those like those calories are necessary. Yes. Biggest says that if these fools let the prisoner escape, that he'll eat them alive. I believe him. I believe him. Mm-hmm. Um, the foreman runs into Biggest's office exclaiming that a giant bat is there. Sadly, it is not Kirk Langstrom. Um, but we gather that he's referring to Batman. He is, as Batman drags two of Biggis's flunkies into his office and throws them at his dinner. Biggis falls backwards, picks up a shotgun, takes a shot at Batman. Now wait, what if it was Kirk Langstrom? I that know. would help the episode, right? Way better. I can't believe we're doing this podcast and like we have like 
the likes of Mark Hamill to talk about and shit, but like we're fucking obsessed with Kirk Langstrom. I love Man. We're Bat. all about Man Bat. Man Bat. We bring him up almost every episode. He's so good. There will come a time when we're not doing that anymore, but I want the listeners to know forever we fucking love Man, Man. Bat on the show. I think Man Bat's <laughs> our favorite villain. He's up there. He is. He's we're gonna good. fucking cover Mr. Freeze and Two Face and all the best this show has to offer, but we'll still be thinking about on Leather Wings. Yeah, yeah. We really started off with a bang. We did, and like at we end each episode with like the ranking in the series. I kind of want to put on Leather Wings higher than I had. Yeah, because yeah. I was just like, oh, it's pretty good. It's in the top half. It might be in the top twenty. It's real good. It's real good. It's real. We're gonna good. hold off on that. Yes, for now. we will. Um. I'm sorry. Shotgun. It's all good. Hobo with a shotgun. He picks up the shotgun. He misses uh, Batman. Uh, Gatling guns start to shoot his Batman as he runs towards the mines. The goons chase Batman. Big Biggest offers $1,000 to the man who bags the bat. Finally, That's a, a lot of money. Finally, it's an accurate depiction of money in the 1930s. And two grand, uh, you know, two grand or a grand today isn't worth much, um, as much. Like, I wouldn't fight Batman for hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of medical bills. But Correct. but at that point in time, this is like almost Depression era America, especially like this episode. Right, very th- dust bowly. Thousand dollars. I was like, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I'd fight Batman for a thousand dollars. I'd get my jaw broken. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, and then your jaw is gonna be broken forever. To be clear, if I was a 1930s man, yes, thousand dollars today, I'm not uh, almost nothing. No, no, <laughs> right, uh, no. Um, Even a little bit more of my regular job. Yes, uh, uh, yeah, I, don't know. Really I guess so. Yeah. For a thousand a year, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Batman takes a reasonable jump down an elevator shaft and kicks a minecart as the lift lands. He rolls a critical success in his hide check as the goons continue to look for him. Yeah, we're still. This is a whole yes. typical end of episode yes. action sequence. We did the same thing in Underdwellers. Do of you course. like this sequence at all? No. It's just it's so rote. Good. It's fine. It's, I don't know. Yeah, it's completely lacking any uh, soul. Batman stealthily takes out a few of the guys and delivers them to Biggest in a minecart. Some real minecart carnage. It's all about soul. That's 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 biggest suggests that they turn out the lights so Batman can't see or see if Batman can see in the dark. Makes no sense. And then they turn on headlamps. What? Yeah. So then Batman totally just does a bunch of Batman stuff. He takes the guys out. We're left with biggest and one guard. The only way you would turn the lights out is if you had an advantage in the dark, which they don't. don't. And then they put flashlights on their heads. I know. The fuck? It's so bad. We're left uh, with Biggest and one guard as another guard cries out down the corridor. It's classic Batman stuff as Batman clearly is beating this man mostly to death, but not. <laughs> um, classic case of, oh no, it's that one guy as Batman makes short work and chase of uh, Biggest's goon and chases Biggest down. Biggest escapes via the elevator, but Batman is able to grab the cables and ride, ride the elevator up. Batman causes Biggest to trip backwards from his frightful presence. But Biggest drops his lantern by the danger explosive sign. Now this place is going to explode. Like every mine and every cartoon ever. I'll tell you, not a good way to store dynamite. No. Just in a big cage altogether. No, definitely not. Open to the air. Yes, no, definitely not. Batman uses all of his bat strength to throw this big guy into a log flume. They ride it out the mine and they plummet into <laughs> the water. Flume. <laughs> they plummet into the water below, which is another another water landing for this show which is always like we kind of want to kill this guy but we won't so they'll land in the water yeah, i'm not even sure what you really call that thing log flume might as well call it that it's like it's like the metal sluice for yeah, the water it's a sluice that they are i guess sifting the, the the granular material for gold i just want to call it the log flume because of splash mountain right yeah so they throw that big old nugget in there and flush yeah, them down yeah flush them down into the water so they plumb out of the mine in the water below uh they're swimming around in the water and the entire mine was made of explosives and it blows sky high. 
Correct. Batman and biggest like, like the hideout in Quantum of Solace. Quantum of Solace. Which I also referenced in Nothing to Fear. It's another bad guy hideout that is made of bombs. Exactly. I don't know why they always a hideout do this. made of bombs. Biggest and bats are in the water. Biggest screams, Don't let me drown. We all know Batman won't let that happen, but then he cracks a joke <laughs> where where he cracks a joke and says, When you taste the prison food, you'll wish you had. Nice Batman. Nice. Nice. Fascist. Yeah. <laughs> Hag. <laughs> <laughs> Batman then swims off with Biggis. Cut to Gotham. Riley offers his home to Salvo as he gets on his feet. They refer to finding work. Bruce is no longer in his hair dye. Did he explain this to them? Did anyone ask what happened? Can they put two and two together and realize that Bruce may happen to be Batman? The scene makes no sense. It makes no sense. Also, Bruce Wayne is famous. Yes. Right? At some point, they would have asked him who he was. He would have said, my name is Bruce. Yeah. And they would have looked at him and been like, oh, Bruce Wayne. Wayne. You're fucking yeah. Bruce Wayne. Yes, exactly. So um, Riley then extends the offer to Bruce as well that he can stay at his house. He goes, it'll be tight, but, you know, whatever. I guess he hasn't told them yet that he's Bruce Wayne. And at this point, Alfred rolls up in one of Bruce's many exquisite cars. Right, pulls up in like a Rolls Royce or a fucking Packard or something like that. And he goes, Alfred calls to him as Master Bruce. And both, you know, Salvo and Riley look at each other and go, Master Bruce? And Bruce introduces himself as Bruce Wayne of Wayne Tech Enterprises. He offers them, he offers to help both Salvo and Riley find jobs. Salvo asks Riley to hit him so that he might wake up a millionaire too. And uh, I will say this much, that is Bat Billionaire to right. use Salvo. He got it wrong. Let's That's billion right. with a B. Billion with a B. The car drives off and we hear the Batman theme and we are given one of the worst episodes of Batman the Animated Right, series. and thank God it's over. Yes, it was uh, very nice to see the closing credits on this one because it is bad. <laughs> Uh, Mike, your closing thoughts on The Forgotten. Bad. <laughs> I don't have a lot of thoughts because a lot of the same criticism I offered to this episode is the same criticism I offered for The Underdwellers. I'm getting sick and tired of these terrible episodes that I have to watch. Just oh, kidding. Just you kidding. have some really, really good ones good. coming I know, up I know. very soon. I know. I have to. You've got, you've got Two-Face One coming I up. I know. Very uh, big bad off. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah no i'm i'm very ready to have some better episodes i understand that it's just the luck of the draw it's fine i'm not actually upset but um it's not a good episode i don't rank it very high what about you um no i i don't like the episode it's i think in that it's gonna be in that bottom nine for us whatever fun name will come up for that i'll come yes. up with for that uh it is bad the two dream sec uh the two dream sequences in this episode are very promising. Yes. Right. So you have the one in the hall of mirrors that ends up with him outside the mission giving out the money, and you have the one where he uh, imagines his parents are throwing him up into the air, and then he sees their grave, and it explodes into a cloud of bats, like you do. Um, it's good. The episode at its core might have been a good episode if it could have told a longer story. Yeah. And specifically, not this story. Yeah. What I think is important about this episode the thing that kind of echoes or resounds from this story is that it gives us another way to look at batman that i like yes because batman the animated series batman is unique in his worldview yeah. and in a way that i enjoy yeah i find batman the animated series batman the kevin conroy batman to be very warm yes and very compassionate he's kind he's he is kind. kind he has a better sense of humanity than most other depictions of batman certainly in the main comics run but even just in like the films yeah um there is a humanness to his mm -hmm. wayne and to his batman where he really is forward about his kindness he has what i refer to as firmth yeah right which is a firm warmness yeah. that i really appreciate yeah 
and that is on display here, it also gives us a different reading of Batman. Of course, anybody would say, well, Batman, he's a spirit of vengeance. And you would say, okay, yeah, right, because Superman is hope and Batman is vengeance, and it's much cooler to read stories about revenge than it is to read stories about hopefulness. But actually, this series and this episode particularly highlights something a little bit more to the character. He's not just about vengeance. He is also a spirit of charity. Yeah. And I, I don't just mean that in that he's going to give money to homeless people. He is trying to protect Gotham, and that also means that he's trying to protect Gotham from itself. Yes. Right, from its systems that are exploitative, and he's going to try to do that as both Batman and as Bruce Wayne. This episode doesn't quite get there, but it reaches for that, and even though this episode is bad, I still appreciate the reach. Yeah, ultimately, Batman as a character is his his code his ethos for why he's batman is almost philanthropic it is he's sacrificing his life his time his body um to essentially protect gotham like you said from itself right so batman is the ultimate you know kind of avatar of charity in his story like it is ultimate the charity it's not yeah. all money but he's being very charitable with his 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 mental state, his physical state, and everything. Yeah. I always think back to the gargoyle image yep. uh, for Batman, yep. which I think is always perfect. He is this thing that comes out at night. If you do something wrong to someone, he, he's going to come get you. But also, and this is what is good about this episode, he's a protector. He's a protector. Exactly. And um, that's what we have here, folks. We are, both Jordan and I are ranking this in the bottom Five yeah, of this. bottom five, bottom nine, whatever we're going to call this. Might be bottom two. Yeah, I mean, it, it's almost the worst. Yes, it's almost the worst episode in the series, but, um, you know, we got through it. We made it. And uh, we wanted to thank you all once again for joining us. This was Batman-tasticast for Jordan Hugh. I'm Mike Staub, and we'll see you next time. Same bat time, same bat channel, where we'll be talking about episode nine, Be a Cloud. And thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Batman Tasticast. We will be back next week with a whole new episode. But in the meantime, if you want to help support the podcast, you can give us a like or a subscribe. You can follow us on social media. You can go to social media platforms and just look for Batman Tasticast. Or you can leave a comment on or review on one of our podcasts. That helps the show be that more visible. And also, if you have any information you want to send our way, feel free to reach out to us on social media. We love hearing from you and hope to hear from more of you in the future. Thanks once again, and see you next time. <laughs>